Here's an experiment for you. Take passionate experts in human resource technology. Invite cross-industry experts from inside and outside HR. Mix in what's happening in people analytics today. Give them the technology to connect. Hit record. Pour their discussions into a beaker. Mix thoroughly. And voila, you get the HR Data Labs podcast, where we explore the impact of data and analytics to your business. We may get passionate and even irreverent, but count on each episode challenging and enhancing your understanding of the way people data can be used to solve real-world problems. Now, here's your host, David Turetsky. Hello and welcome to the HR Data Labs podcast. I'm your host, David Turetsky. We're still here at the World at Work Conference. We're introducing you to interesting, fascinating people inside the world of compensation and compensation analytics. Right now, we're going to be talking to Jeremy Feinstein from Empsite. Hey, Jeremy. How are you doing, David? I'm great. How are you? Great. And we have with us our co-host with the most host, Kevin Plunkett. Ah, flying in, buddy. Are you <laughs> co-pilot for the D? <laughs> Man of many voices. <laughs> and so, Jeremy, why don't you give us a little bit of background of who Empsite is? Thank you. So, Empsite provides specialized compensation data to Fortune 1000 and large multinational companies. So we provide a lot of compensation data on functions such as legal, compliance, risk management, IT, supply chain, and other functions. And we have cool. a survey suite called The Works that more than 200 companies participate in each year. That sounds awesome. It's The Works. It's The Works. That's it's awesome. The whole McGillum. Does it, does it work? It works. Excellent. <laughs> Sorry, that was a softball I was throwing up there for you. So, Jeremy, we typically ask, what's one thing that no one knows about you? I'm from Minneapolis. I'm sorry. I'm from Minneapolis, Minnesota. No, I know. I said, I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. It's even colder than Boston. <laughs> I have friends that are from Minneapolis, and I, I tease them a lot with the, uh, is it snowing today? I don't know what it is now. I'm, I live in New York now. I don't keep track of it. Well, it's probably snowing today. Yeah, it's actually the summers are very nice there. Okay. So what's our topic for today? Our topic today is what is the future of surveys? And let's look at, you know, kind of your, uh, your perspective on kind of where they have been, where they're kind of today and where you think they're going to be in the future. That's great. You don't have to answer them all right now. But yeah, okay. let's we'll, start we'll, with the past. Let's give, give your perspective so, on where they've give your, come give from. Your, and, and actually, quite frankly, Jeremy, give a little history on Emsight and how, and how you guys you know, came into existence and what was the, what was the impetus for, for starting the survey to begin with. Well, we actually heard through a client meeting that there was a need for an in-house legal survey of Fortune 500 companies um, because they had lost the data source. So we actually jumped on the opportunity and sent out 500 FedExes at the time. There was no email wasn't as prevalent. Sure. And we sent 500 FedExes to the 500 Fortune 500 companies and about 200 of them joined, came on board. That's and not that bad. was our start. And what, year, what year was that? It was in 2003. Wow. Okay. Wow. 
So, mm-hmm. and we ever since then we've expanded into other functions related to legal, and then we expanded out into all the corporate functions That's and wonderful. even into supply so chain. In the in those earlier days, what were kind of some of the challenges with with you all, either with data collection or data quality or what have you? What were what were some of the challenges you guys were having as you were building that survey? Well, I mean, there are challenges, but there are actually benefits. Like at that time, like there. Are, less compensation was outsourced. So like the quality of the data like was quite good from some companies, honestly, because they worked directly with the business line, like with the legal department to find out everybody's legal specialty and and the data, you know, the data was, was good. I mean, we had to go through a more manual cleaning process because we didn't have a data scientist working with us with an algorithm to identify the outliers, which we now have. Also, the safe harbor compliance with safe harbor is Department of Justice guidelines that are used by large companies, especially to ensure that the day, that they're not colluding with colluding, each other. Yeah. So it was more difficult to comply with it without an algorithm that we now use. And so you've evolved. You got beyond the 200. Right. And tell us what that period was like between 2003 and basically 2022. Well, I mean, there was a lot of economic cycles. There's been, ever since 2000, it, there was much higher inflation at that time and, and the mayor budgets were higher. But then in 2008, we had the, the crash. Mm-hmm. And then ever since then, there, the mayor budgets have been about 3% flat. Until this year. Right. And now there's a big spike in demand for compensation data again because you can't just age the data right. 3% anymore. Right. Right. But there's also been evolutions in, for example, the internet. And there have been lots of call or need for new and different types of the jobs that you collect, right? And so no, the surveys absolutely. have had to evolve. Like, that's a great question. So... When we launched our IT survey, the jobs were so different than they are today. There wasn't, there weren't cybersecurity, there wasn't AI, there wasn't data science. So all those jobs have evolved. There's a lot of different specialties of software engineering, like DevOps and yeah, NetOps, and all those yeah. special and full full stack backend developer. That used to be called a web developer and webmaster. I mean, it's really Especially in the IT realm, the jobs have changed. Yep. I mean, in some other yep. functions, they haven't changed. Like in, you know, in legal, well, actually, even in legal, that's changed too. There's legal operations. Well, there's a lot. There's a lot more in compliance now. Than there's there a lot was, more. Yes, yeah. in compliance, I mean, compliance yeah. is really. Oh yeah, and, and, because of the Sarbanes Act. Actually, right around Sarbanes, there was the Enron scandal, and mm-hmm. there's Sarbanes Oxley, and then compliance became a big thing. Right. Yep. And so one of the wonderful things, if you think back, compensation surveys have been done for quite a while, Mm -hmm. but this talks to a lot of the evolution that it's kind of had to live through to get to where we have been around the 2020s. And so there's more demand in the world for data. Data is much more ubiquitous. So how do you see or how have they evolved to be able to deal with some of the demands for more data, more quick and accurate data sources. Right. Like, so as we've seen, especially when there is an increase in demand for talent, like companies are going to other sources than just traditional compensation survey. They're looking at crowdsourced data. They're looking at 
recruiting recruiting data that they hear from mm-hmm. recruiters. They're looking at job postings, all those sources. Um, from a compliance perspective, the large companies need to have transparency around what where the data is coming from. So there's still, I believe, a very strong demand for traditional compensation surveys supplemented by other data just right. to see right. this is, of course, correct, but I think the traditional compensation data is still very important. Yeah, we like to say they, that they need to triangulate. They need to not just use one source, but to be able to make sure that you're making an appropriate decision based on as many sources as you possibly can right. get without either getting too expensive or going crazy with submission processes and matching and all that other stuff. No, absolutely. Like, actually, you bring up a good point that I guess around two, anyway, early 2000s, there started to emerge the market pricing platforms, which make it a lot easier to analyze and and participate in compensation surveys, such as salary.com. That's right. Right. That's right. right. I mean, thank you for the plug. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we, we, this is a thought leadership only yeah, you'll you'll, you'll find your twenty bucks are in your pocket. Um, <laughs> like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking subscribe. This podcast is made possible by Salary.com. Now back to the show. But the and, and so today, right? You know, one of the challenges we, we've heard, obviously, and it has continued to be, and 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 or has been in the past, and continues to be. You know, the the friction in around survey submission, right? And getting data, pulling data out of the organization, getting it mapped, getting it matched, putting it into the survey. That still continues to be an issue, even with you know technology that has helped bridge that gap a little bit. It still continues to be a problem. How often are you seeing that or where, how, how is that manifesting itself with your clients? I think getting the same data that companies have matched to and used over years is relatively easy, but to make changes to the matches and to continuously update the analysis is where the challenge is. Like the companies, it's, you can automate a lot of things, but you can't automate decision making of what the right match is. Mm-hmm. I don't think AI is quite there yet. Well, you can innovate by showing patterns that don't make sense, inconsistencies, or things like job families, where you know a one, two, three for an accountant leads you to potentially have differences in what the reported levels are for those different positions, right? And so you could provide the intelligence built into the technology to be able to say, well, isn't there a difference between an accounting one, accountant one, and accountant two? Right. Why, so to, why did you match them to the same job? Oh, right. That's a big problem. Like that's something we look at with our, our data cleaning process, and there's multiple jobs matched to a single job in our survey. So, right. yeah, that's true. And so you're automating and providing technology to help the end user. To Kevin's point, make that right. process. Yeah, easier. we have a yeah we have a data science program written in Python that that analyzes those kind of things and it prepares a report for clients that shows the outliers such as those. Trying to make their life easier. It also looks for it looks for part time, full time, right. and multiple job grades matched to the same job code. Many right. many things like that. Right. So what kind of challenges are you seeing, you know, just in general with your, with your customers today in, in around data or, or 
But there needs to be an incentive to make matching easy. Like, you know, some clients are very generous and match because they want to know for the entire organization whether or not they use every match. They want to provide as much data as they can. And then there's, you know, there's some companies who want to supply the bare minimum because that's what they match to, and that's fine. But we, we need to encourage every organization to match as much data as possible so that we can provide the most robust results for all clients. Great. And what, what kind of incentives or what kind of things are you doing to, to, to help in, you know, motivate customers to do that? Well, we provide one-on-one matching sessions on, oh, on Zoom with every client, and we really take a one-on, we really make an effort to provide a one-to-one experience to get the matching right, because then over years, we'll get good data from that so organization. So you're, you're actually becoming the calibration. We're becoming... Sorry. The calibration. You're, you're yeah. helping them calibrate against the other participants and making sure that everything matches up. That's correct. Yeah. What would you say are the biggest innovations you see coming in the survey world? Well, as I mentioned, um, there's the other sources of data that we need to use, as you said, to triangulate. There's also the issue of total rewards, and you know, it's not just base salary and even short-term incentives that's going to motivate employees to stay with the organization or to attract them to the organization. You need to have, you need to provide, you need to be creative and provide the total rewards. A, a lot of comp- a lot of employees want job flexibility right now. They're working from home. They don't have the childcare they used to. Maybe they don't need to be paid overtime if they had the option to work different hours. Right. So building flexibility, but how do you capture that if you're a server? Yeah, well, so that's why, so, and also, yeah, so there's, we can capture that in a policies and practices survey, which we offer every year. Mm -hmm. Also, there's a lot of off-cycle increases right now and spot bonuses, hiring bonuses. Sign-on bonuses, yep, yep. And like a lot of that data wasn't traditionally captured in compensation surveys, but it will be increasingly. Yeah, one of the things that I've been, no offense, but I've been disappointed in surveys, is not being able to value the benefits package that goes beyond comp. You know, everything beyond long-term incentive. And be able to try and find a way, a common way, not in a practices document, not in a practices survey, but being able to provide a common way of being able to express it like we're talking about total right. total compensation. I mean, I know there's some benefits consulting firms that do valuations like what we were describing. Yeah, but those are too complex. I'm talking about just like total direct comp or total cash is easy with, to... With some benchmarks. Yes. Right. Yes. Just some benchmarks around car allowances or concierge services or... But, but even We actually value... collect car allowances in our survey. Oh, there you go. Yeah, but, but even if you can put valuation on medical or dental, put something. Yeah. So that right. when you're talking about what's total, ca- what's total cost, mm-hmm. we don't do total cost in you know, surveys. We do total direct compensation. Right. And then benefits are just usually taken as a load. It's usually done as a percentage, right? Right. And that's disappointing because the organization, when they're hiring, they're not hiring a total direct ca- cost. They're, whole, they're, they're hiring it total direct cash plus benefits. And so it's not really apples and apples. Right. No, there needs to be a, 
not only does there need to be a good valuation, but there needs to be a good communication of what exactly. is being offered. Right. And, um, and, and also different employees value different benefits differently That's for right. their own personal situation. Like if you're single, you don't really need maternity leave at that point. Or, and if you're an, you know, a frontline worker, you may not care about 401k because you're not going to be there more than eight months. Right. But there's a way and there should be. And then what I'm espousing is there should be a methodology of being able to say, and here's what the benefits benefit is and put a cost or put some valuation associated with it so that when I'm comparing company A to company B right. as a, an employer, as well as, as in, in doing analysis, that we can say, hey, listen, everything else held equal, we're on target. We're at market. Right. And we really can't do that right now because we don't know what benefits does to that package. I mean, yeah, I, I fully agree with you that that's something that needs, you know, if we could report total, total rewards. Right, exactly. You know, and that would bring in the value of, of some options that people may not have even considered. Like, like a lot of government jobs have amazing benefits with yeah. pensions. Right. And exactly. A lot of people work in government for that reason. And they, you know, it, it needs to be better communicated. Right. But compare technology jobs in government versus technology jobs in, the, in, in, in IT and Silicon Valley. People are like, oh, you got to go there. Well, what about job security? What about being able to take home a pension and all the great benefits you get from being part of the government? Right. Right. I mean, a lot of people make some, are making some quick switches now during the great resignation, or some people are calling it the great reorganization or reshuffling. There's a lot, um, of and then yeah. a lot of people are, <laughs> you know, joining a company and realizing it's not what it's cut out to be, and then they're going back to their old organization. And thus, we could also say the great grass is greener. No, yeah. not great. Really. The great boomerang effect. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the great the grass was greener. I just couldn't see it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What about some of these new data sets? You, you talked about that a little bit, right? There's now some more crowdsourced data. There's now scrape data being put together through AI. There are, uh, do you see, do you think that trend continues? And does that trend, assuming that that's, your answer is yes, that that would threaten the traditional survey sources as we know it today? Or enhance them? Oh, no, I don't, not at all, because those, okay, so Let's start with the crowdsourcing. Crowdsource data is provided by individual employees who don't represent their organization on an organization basis, right. and they're not allowed to disclose on a company listing which company they're from. So from a transparency perspective, a lot of Fortune 1000s and large multinationals can't use that data right. for official benchmarking because well, it has it's less, less validity. It doesn't have validity. Secondly, yeah, with the crowdsourced data, like the long-term reporting is usually pretty terrible. And also, you know, it's difficult. There's a lot of part-time employees. Like employees don't, employees understand base. They don't always understand everything else. Right. So that's, it puts it in, I mean, I know you have a lot of AI that can try and accommodate some of those errors, but it, it's not real, it's not unedited real data. Right. As far as the AI, yeah, so I think it's the AI and model data and the mm -hmm. crowdsource data is very useful for an individual just to understand 
what their value is when they're negotiating a compensation package with an employer is very valuable. And it's also, I guess, valuable just to sanity check some data to triangulate it, as you were saying. Right. But I think there's always going to be a role for salary surveys. And the more they can automate it, the better. Absolutely. We're trying to make the lives of our clients easier. And at the same time, give them better data. Correct. And, and in some cases, that's also more choice, yeah. right? But, but intelligent choices, right? right? We want them to, we want the data to be transparent, right? right. We want to know that you can, you can compare an apple to an actual apple, right? Right. right. And that there's validity in the data. Right. Yes. I mean, there's been a lot, you know, over the past few years, there's been a lot of press about disinformation. And, you know, when you have validated data sets, it's a, you know, people are seeking validated data sets that, it, you know, anything that's self-reported it's, or modeled it's, and you don't know where it comes from, it's, it's a lot harder to validate it. All right, Jeremy, I'm pulling out your crystal ball, putting it on the table. What, you know, five years from now, what does this business look like? And what are, what are some of the innovations you think that, that will be, become, you know, status quo? I mean, I think that as we were talking about before, we're going to have to go beyond just the compensation and look at the total rewards package and just drawing intelligence from all the different compensation data and, and making and, and deriving more analytics from it and, and providing data for decisions more than just the raw data itself. Okay. I like that. I do. Yeah. I like that a lot. Jeremy, thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you. That was very interesting. Thank you for inviting me to join you. You're welcome. Absolutely. Kevin, thank you. Always a pleasure. And thank you very much for listening. Take care and stay safe. That was the HR Data Labs podcast. If you liked the episode, please subscribe. And if you know anyone that might like to hear it, please send it their way. Thank you for joining us this week and stay tuned for our next episode. Stay safe.